Hi, and welcome to episode one of the Redemption Stories podcast, where we tell the stories of where Jesus found us. Hi, my name is Paul, and in today's episode, Adam and I get to hear Ashley's story. We've asked that she be as candid as possible, and it's our privilege to now share Ashley's story with you. Yeah, that's good. So a lot of prayer has gone into this. We've talked about podcasts now for, well, since even before you were on staff, Adam, Mm -hmm. we've just been trying to go through this idea of what that would look like. And so I'm incredibly excited, and Ashley, I'm so excited that you are our first guest. Yeah. Um, a little bit of backstory. Uh, you were in this, actually, you were sitting in that exact couch, not, <laughs> what, two months ago? Yeah, I think it was about two months ago, yeah. And uh, we did this series called Redemption Stories, and I knew you had an incredible story. In fact, I talked to you at Young Life, mm-hmm. like, way long ago, before the, before the summer, yeah. uh, saying we wanted to do something like this. Um but then you got there, we were going to do this video to open up our sermon, and uh, I told you, it needs to be about three to five minutes long, <laughs> and you basically said, like, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we'll give it a shot. But then you actually told the story, and uh, like ha- like five seconds into it, I was like, this isn't going to, mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to capture this. It wasn't really five seconds, it was like probably ten minutes into it, I was like, man. Uh, and then... The card on the camera got corrupted, and we couldn't even use it at all. Yeah. Uh, which, to this day, I still think is providence. I think that was God going, nope. Yeah. Mm. And so the idea was, then I even told you, like, we'll re-record it, and uh, we'll refilm it and shoot it uh, for another day, because we wanted to keep that going. Um, but no, it just, uh, I don't even remember how it came to this idea of it's just saying, like, man... We need a format to where that people can tell their stories in their entirety, where there's no like, okay, we got to get done kind of feeling. Um, and uh, honestly, you were you're kind of the inspiration for that because your story is uh, incredible. Uh, what God has done in you. Um, before we begin, I, I want to just tell you how honored we are that you're willing to come and share your story, especially on the very first one where yeah. we don't really know what's no going pressure. on yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And if this doesn't go well, then I guess we're just done with this podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> but thank you for being willing to share your story. And uh, we really look forward to hearing it. All right. Well, I guess to understand what all God has done in my life, I would kind of have to start early on so you understand the um, what my life was like before Jesus. So... I was actually born here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My father was here. And when I was six months old, he lost his job and sent me and my mom to California. And when he did, my mom filed for divorce and he signed over his rights to me. And so my mom lived in California, met another man who then became my dad. And they were together for four years, had a daughter, and then they split. And then a year later, my mom married my stepdad, had a baby. And then when I was 16, they split. So I've had a lot of men kind of come and go in my life. And I say that for two reasons, because it helps me to understand myself. But I also want to make clear, like, I love my dads. And like, even though, you know, there has been a lot of hurt, they're not perfect. And I see that now. Uh, So I just want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, my home life was pretty chaotic. Um, my parents, they brought out the worst in each other, my stepdad and my, my mom. 
And so my mom did things to uh, check out, and so did my stepdad, and then they would fight. And so there was physical violence, there was verbal violence, there was emotional violence, there was just a lot of violence. And I became the protector, so to speak, in my family. Um, I took on the role, it's my job to protect my family. And so I was the mediator, I was the one breaking up everything, I was the one telling who needed to go. Um, Basically, I was the adult. And so when my stepdad wanted a divorce from my mom, my mom called me that day and asked me what to do. And it was just kind of like, well, I didn't marry him, you did, you need to figure it out. But that just kind of explained the roles growing up. Um, So when I was uh, 13, I started acting out. I started, you know, sneaking out of the house, um, going to parties that I shouldn't have been at. I started smoking pot and, you know, kind of getting darker, darker into that scene. Um, But I was really smart about it. And so I never got caught. And um, basically, when I was 16, I started dating a guy who kind of took me darker into that realm. He was four years older than me. He was my brother's best friend. And um, he got me really deep into drugs, like really deep. Um, After I want to say like three months of us dating, I swallowed 200 pills of ecstasy in three months. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was all about chasing the rave the next, you know, that weekend. I He lived in Portland, Oregon, and I lived in Puyallup, Washington. So every weekend I'd drive there and we would just go to these outdoor raves and I would take a bunch of acid and mushrooms and ecstasy and just, you know, that was my life. And um, it became really abusive. Um, he was, I would say, like manic depressive bipolar. Um, it was crazy. Like, I never knew if I would walk in on him with a gun to his head or a gun to me. Um, I never knew if he was going to hit me when he was coming down off drugs. And, you know, my personality type is, you know, as the protector, like I will protect myself. And so he would come at me and I'd go toe to toe with him. And so it would turn into this super domestic violent situation. And, you know, my friends would always say, why are you with this guy? Like, what is wrong? Like, what is wrong with you? And, you know, it was, I was a lot younger, so I was very impressionable, I guess you could say, very naive. And um, he would do these crazy things. And then the next day, like, fill my car with stuffed animals and, like, tell me how much he loved. Like, he would go above and beyond to show me how much he loved me. And I'd be like, oh, well, okay, it's, it's going to be different. Um, so four years of this, basically just crazy um, lifestyle. I mean, it was just absolutely nuts. And I finally, and, you know, in that there was a lot of cheating and a lot of trust. I mean, he would go through my phone and delete every number in my phone. Like he, <laughs> we were dating and we got in a fight. So he would break up with me and then go cheat and then convince me to come back. Like it was I realized that later on, but not when I was young, when it was happening. But we had broken up for like the umpteenth time and he went and cheated on me and then he left for basic training and I had the password to his voicemail and on Valentine's Day, I found out he got another girl pregnant 
And so she decided to keep the baby. And I went back to him and helped him raise that child. So, yeah, just that's, it was just crazy. So anyways, um, we broke up and needless to say, I was just broken. Um, I had no sense of self-worth. I was, you know, had all these traumas that had just been building and building and building, you know, from my home life and then from this. So I went into another relationship that was physically abusive for two more years. But in that also, I, uh, so then the first relationship, he told me that if I ever became a dancer. Now, I have to tell you at this point, I was living in Portland and there are dance clubs as much as there are churches here. Like it is not this thing that's like crazy taboo. It's like pretty normal. Um, so I started dancing at the club that he hung out at and got him kicked at out of. So this is, I mean, like I was just finding ways to like get back at him. And so that's where I met the second abusive guy was in there. And like, I remember when time I was, you know, at work and I had given him money to go out with his friends to go party. And he came home, came into the uh, club while I was on stage and he started screaming at me because I had given the money to our friend and said, yeah, you know, just buy him a couple of drinks. Just, you know, let him have some fun. Like I was trying to do something nice. And basically he ripped me off the stage, took me outside and started kicking me. And I like hit him across the face and the bouncer came up and was like, get inside. And so the police came and they were going to arrest me. And then they pulled up the video and they were like, no, she was protecting herself. And like two of the cops were like, yeah. And the other two were like, what are you thinking? So anyways, like this is just like trying to paint a visual of what my life was like. And so, you know, in that scene, like I was given free drugs. And so I basically, I mean, like I call it Satan's world because it really is like it's Satan's candy and then it's Satan's world. And like, it's just, I mean, it's just nuts. And so it opened me up to a lot of things that were just chaotic and crazy. Um, so in that um, whole time, I uh, eventually came to a crossroads where I was like, I'm going to end up in prison or dead. Like, I was very mean. Um, I carried myself that way. Like, I had just been beaten up and torn down for so many years. Like, I viewed the world in, as only one way because that was the only way that I knew it. And so I never thought that my life could be happy, if that makes sense. And so basically, I just started doing drugs so much that people were like, Ashley, we don't want to be around you because you're on a suicide mission and we don't want to be there when it happens. And I was just angry. Like, I would take painkillers and then drink hard liquor and like blackout and just like beat people up that were trying to help me. Um, I remember like I would be downtown and I would like walk around downtown and like intentionally pick fights with people so that way I could get my rage out. And so like my nickname back home was Ash Nuts because I'd just go nuts. Like I was just crazy. And <laughs> And I was like, I, I mean, I'm was not it like this, to... like tale that was being told, like, watch out <laughs> after eight o'clock, Ash Nuts comes out. <laughs> Seriously, like it was just absolutely crazy. Um, and so I had these one friends that like kind of knew my story and they knew like once I got to a certain point, like my friend Doug, he was just this big old dude. And, you know, when I get to a certain point and I'd start getting violent, he'd just throw me over his shoulder and I'd be kicking and stuff. And he's like, you know, it didn't even phase him because I'm like, what? five, two. And he's like six, seven and just like huge. And 
So he would just throw me over and put me in his car and be like, chill out, you know? And so thank God for him because I probably would have gotten in a lot of trouble. Um, so anyways, uh, during that time as well, I was heavy into witchcraft. So I was very drawn to anything that gave me control, anything that I thought gave me power, because if people feared me, then they wouldn't hurt me. And so that's kind of how I lived my life was just, um, any way I could escape my reality, any way that I could gain power of my environment. So that way I would be protected. Um, so that opened me up to a lot of crazy spiritual stuff. Um, I remember one night I was uh, reading a Wiccan book and I went to sleep and I woke up and I saw this dark thing at the end of my bed and I freaked out and put the covers over my head because you know that's what you do when it goes away, like so it goes away mm -hmm. and I lifted the covers down and it was gone but I could still feel it and so I was so scared that like I ended up calling a friend to come stay with me and I ended up going to this Wiccan shop that I got the book and they were like making fun of me they're like we'll eat it and I'm like what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they were just like, didn't believe me or whatever, but I ended up going to this one store where this old lady was like, oh, you got to, you know, put crystals all around your room and light this white candle and then light this black candle and wear this onyx ring and do all this crazy stuff. And so I did. And I don't know, I guess it kind of went away, but I've always just kind of been sensitive to my environment. Um, so Fast forward a little bit, um, I'm no longer working in the club as that type of um, person, but as a bartender and cocktail waitress. And so I switched gears a little bit, but still in that environment. And um, my father, who I had only met in person twice at this point, came to visit me. And he, I was working four jobs. My little sister was living with me. And um, he was like, why don't you come move to Oklahoma? and figure out what you want to do with your life. Like, this really isn't taking you anywhere. And um, a week later, I packed up everything and I left. And I uh, moved here. Never been here. Had no idea what I was moving to, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I get here and I cried. <laughs> like, what did I do? Like, <laughs> this is not Portland. And so, mind you, I hiked, like, every week, you know, was super into the mom and pop shops and everything else. So I lived in Whole Foods for like the first six months I lived here. And, uh, <laughs> Whole Foods. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the one safe place it's, for people from Oregon. It really <laughs> is. It really is, man. It was mm. horrible. I cried. I was like, all there is is just chain corporate stuff. So anyway, um, yeah, so I moved here and, um, before I moved here, I, I had been sober for six months. And the day I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, I started drinking again. And I started hanging out with people that were into those things. It's weird how you find those people super easy. Um, and I remember I was working as a Jaeger girl. And uh, we were in, uh, where were we? I can't remember. Somewhere in Oklahoma, we were selling Jaeger. And this guy grabbed me and I socked him. And literally, like, all the girls just kind of swarm around me and pull me away from the guy and I was just like I can't do this like I'm gonna get in so much trouble and so I ended up uh I was working at Starbucks and uh this guy who used to come in all the time he uh, came in and was asking for my number 
And so they are like, yeah, he wants your number or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not like, he can meet me at Whole Foods. Like I'm not going, like we're going to meet in a public place. And so but I love that it was Whole Foods. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm that's, telling if I'm not here, you know, I am there. So you know how they Whole say Foods. you have bartenders that know your name? There are Whole Foods that know my name. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm like, you're like my bartender, the cashier. I'm like, we just like talk every time and I love it. And so anyway, he uh, meets me at Whole Foods and he's like, you know, I don't know if this is your story. I don't know if you have a relationship with God, but you just have like this black cloud around you. And I don't know if you've ever heard of AA, but... There's this place that, you know, could really ben- you could really benefit from or whatever. And um, I said, well, think about it. Well, I ended up meeting four people all from the same home group within two weeks. And so to me, I'm all about signs. I was like, mm-hmm. that's a sign. So I go, mm-hmm. I'm in AA for a while. And, um, you know, it really kind of at that point, it's important because it started opening me up to the idea of God. You know, when I first started going to A, I'm like, don't even say the G word. Like, don't even, like, the prayer, they're like, you know, every morning you hit your knees and you thank God. Every morning I go down and I pray to a tree. And I'd be like, tree, please keep me sober. You know, and that was my God. And so, um, you know, I'd go to these AA meetings and they're like, you know, what's your higher power? And I was like, oh, I'm a Wiccan. And so, like, just, I mean, it's it's funny now that I think about it because the Christians in there were like, so anyway it's just uh it was fun but uh so I've been doing the deal for a while now and um my father ends up having a massive heart attack in my arms and dies um very traumatically Hmm. I was uh cleaning his house and he went into cardiac arrest and was gone instantly um which I'm grateful that it was quick, but it was very traumatizing. And uh, at this point, I was teaching in the school of metaphysics. So I was teaching uh, meditation, dream interpretation, mastery of consciousness. Again, how can you control your reality? Um, And I went to class and basically was struggling with if I control my reality and if I'm in charge of my reality and I cause everything in my reality to happen, how did I cause this? How did I cause my father to have a massive heart attack in my die, in my arms and die? The only form that I of stability that I have right now is just gone. Like, why? And uh, two weeks later, to the day, my student in class had a heart attack and it was, again, me trying to save her life and she died. And so it was just like, boom, boom. And um, I got mad. And uh, I didn't deal with it. Um, I didn't cry. I just kind of stuffed all my emotion. And um, basically, I got to this point where I was just shaking all the time. And I remember I would go to AA and I would say, if there is a God, screw him. Like, how could he do this to me? You know, that's not a loving God. And was just mad. Oh, I was so mad. Oh, I was so mad. And I remember I was in AA and I left and I was sitting in front of a bar. And I said, God, if you're real, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to go to Brooks. And if she's home, I won't drink. But if she's not home, I'm not even going to be sorry for what happens next. And so I pull up to her house and she's getting in her car to leave. And so I get out of the car and she's like, Ashley, what's wrong? And I'm shaking. And I'm just like, I feel pain everywhere. Like, I can't control the pain. I feel so much pain. And she 
puts me in my in my in her car and takes me right back to the meeting and uh, sits me in front of my sponsor and she says, you know what, Ashley, I can't help you with this, but you need help. You need to talk about it. And so two weeks later, they have me sit in front of the group and share my story. And so that was kind of the moment where I had to start dealing with it. And a couple months later, I go to a a concert because I was kind of hiding in my house, not really being around people. And um, it was uh, the Yonder Mountain String Band. <laughs> yeah. What kind of music did they play? It's like folky, like, you know, type music. It's, That's so good. I, you know, you would think like the Yonder Mountain String Band. It's yeah. like, oh, death metal. You know? No, no. It was, it was really fun. I'd never been to a concert like that before. It was very uplifting. And I was dancing and I look over and I see this older guy and he has this wooden staff. And I'm like, that is this the most beautiful carved wooden staff I've ever seen. And so I'm like, that is so cool. He's like, yeah, it's from Colorado, and we're talking. I look over, and I see this other guy, and I'm like, is that your son? And he's like, yeah, let me introduce you. And so he introduces me to his son and his daughter, and we're all hanging out, having a good time, and we leave. Well, I end up looking up the son on Facebook, and we just become great friends. Like, it's just people you meet, and you're like, we're going to be good friends. And Mm. so uh, we start hanging out, like, every day like he's just like we're attached at the hip and um we're into the same things and it's just a real good friendship and his parents are christian and so every time i come over they would talk about this guy named jesus and i'm like okay yeah like that's cool for you but i'm not about the whole servant thing and the whole submission thing like that's not my jam like no not doing that and so um basically uh we've been hanging out a couple months and so um I'm staying, I stayed the night one night and I was sleeping in his bed. He was sleeping on the floor and it was storming outside and I had this dream and in my dream there was, we were in this kitchen and this old woman was at the door and she's trying to get in and my friend's like, don't open the door, don't open the door. I'm like, Christy, it's just, it's just an old lady. Like, what is she going to do? She's like, I'm telling you, don't open the door. And I'm like, no, I'm going to open the door. And so I opened the door and it, we like jump to the staircase and the lady is like looking up at us and she's mad, like really mad. And then all of a sudden I look at Christy and she's like, I told you not to open the door. Why would you do that? You just invited her in. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then it jumps again and it's me and I'm awake, but I can't move. And there's this dark thing and it's like grabbing me. And it's like basically like trying to like pull me off the bed, but I'm like paralyzed And I screamed and my friend shot off the floor and jumped on the bed. And he was like, I know what just happened. I can't talk about it. I have to be stronger for you, but I know what just happened. And I'm like, what, dude, your house is haunted. Like I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. He's like, Ashley, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's storming outside. Like just wait until the morning. Like, what do you want to do? I'm like, light some sage, dude. Like your house, there's something dark in here. Like your house is straight up haunted. Like light some sage. Where are your crystals at? We need to purify this room. And uh, so anyways... 5.30 rolls around, it's light out, I'm gone. So he calls me later on, and he's like, okay, I'm ready to talk about it, tell me what happened. And so I tell him, and he's like, yeah, I've had that same exact dream, same exact experience. I'm like, dude, your parents' house is is haunted. Like, seriously, there's something creepy in here. He's like, let me talk to my parents about it. So he tells his parents, and the very first thing his mom says is, has Ashley ever been involved in witchcraft? And he's like, you know, I didn't know what to say, so I Mm. lied. But, you know, you have. And so, like, I don't know what that means. Like, she said that 
our house is built by the blood of Christ. And like anytime darkness comes into light, it gets exposed. And so this is your thing. I'm like, what? What are you, you telling me this thing's like following me around? And so he's like, well, I don't know. Like, let's do some research. And so we researched it. And it's crazy how many people have had the same exact dream of an old lady appearing and them being attacked. And the only thing that got rid of it was the name of Jesus Christ. And so that was kind of like this light bulb moment of, okay, maybe there's some truth to what your parents are saying. Like they keep talking about this Jesus dude. So I ended up starting, started going to church with them and I, I would go to church and I would make notes of the pastor's sermon. And then we would go to his office and I'd interrogate him. And I would be like, so what about this? What about this? Why do people use, you know, God like a vending machine? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, why don't they meditate? It even says meditate in the Bible. And like, he handled me with such grace, like so much humility. He would just be like, you know what, Ashley, I don't, I don't have the answer to that question. It's a really good question. Or he would speak truth to me. Um, and it was great. Like it kind of started to break down those walls and, I started going to church more and more, and there was just moment where, um, I'm just going to say my Papa Scott, they're my godparents now, so mm-hmm. my Papa Scott, he would look at me, and I would be thinking something, and he would say, Jesus wants you to know, blah, 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 and it would be exactly what I was thinking, and I would just get goosebumps all over my body, and I'm like, mm. dude, you're creepy, like, this is so weird, um, and after that happening, like, so many times, it was just powerful, well, I ended up going on a trip to Colorado with them, which was a family vacation. And it was a week of me just getting to ask a million questions of how Christianity worked as a family unit, as a single unit, the whole submission thing, the whole servant thing, like all these hard questions. It was just one-on-one time with this family. Well, when I got back, their son was living with me at the time and he was really mad that I went on this family vacation without him. And so, uh, Basically, we got into this huge fight, and I was on my way to go to church. And I had just happened to invite two of my friends to go to church that day, um, just out of the blue. And so I was on my way to church, and I'm bawling, and I have every intention of telling them I can't be friends with them anymore. And basically, like, their son doesn't want me to be in relationship with them. And I get there, and I'm crying, and his mom is just, you know, holding me, and she's just like, they don't know. But she just keeps telling me how much she loves me and how, you know, much Jesus loves me and all this stuff. Mm. And I'm like, you're making it harder. Stop. I have to break up with you. And so (laughs) I'm sitting there and I'm listening to the worship songs and they're like, Jesus, I need you. And like all these things. And I'm like, yeah, I need you. Like, where are you? Why do you keep taking everything away from me? I don't understand. Like anytime I get something good, you take it away. Like I'm done. I'm done. And I heard, I've been waiting for you to be done. I've been waiting for you to surrender. And I just got up and I walked to the bathroom and his mom comes in and she's just like, you ready? And I knew exactly what she was talking about. And we walked up to the pasture and I got saved. And it was just like, you know, they say like you feel this sense of peace. It's so much more than that. It was a sense of knowing that from that day forward, I was never going to be alone. That the thing I'd been looking for my whole life was him. So 
we end up leaving and we go to coffee and I, I tell them, you know, I was planning on breaking up with you guys today. And they were like, Ashley, our kids don't dictate who's in our family. And if we had to see you behind their back, we will. And they did for two years. His mom mentored me. Um, I was a mess. And, uh, you know, I would meet her every week with these questions and she would answer them. We did Bible studies. We did, you know, purpose studies and, um, she mentored me, her and my pop Scott mentored me and Anthony when we were recording. Um, they've been a huge, huge role in my life. And, um, so anyway, when I got saved a week after I got saved, I, at that point I was doing energy work where I was clearing chakras and stuff like that. And a woman came into my office who I threw like wholeheartedly believe was, is, demonized. She had some strong demons. I've never wanted to walk out on a session before. And that straight up scared me. And so I went and spent a weekend with nuns after that and was talking to the nuns and was like, why did this happen? And they're like, well, if you're not doing God's work, God can't protect you, you know, and you're not centered in God, you're centered in the devil. And so I quit doing all that energy work stuff. And, um, basically every night, for like the first two months after I got saved, I was just getting attacked over and over and over again. I would have these nightmares. I would be paralyzed and it was just over and over again. And the only thing that got me through it was singing worship songs because when I would get paralyzed, like I couldn't speak. And so I'd have to like try and sing. So I'd be like, in the name of Jesus, get out of my room until I would like get mm. enough strength to basically like tell it to leave. And so if anything... It really grounded my faith, the spiritual aspect of it, because if that's real, then God has to be real. And so for me, anytime, you know, I would start to doubt whether Jesus is real or not, I would just think of what he did. And there's no logical explanation for feeling that and then the name of Jesus getting rid of it. Like, those are my stones of um, remembrance. Like whenever I'm starting to, you know, if I have something that's doubtful on my faith, I just think of that. And I'm like, he walked me through that. And those were some really scary times. So yeah, that's kind of like the big gist of what happened. Um, and then I would say like today, you know, when I first got saved, I thought that all my problems would go away. Um, I wouldn't have to deal with all those traumas, but that's not the case. Um, you still have to deal with it. You still have to walk through it. And I'm grateful for it because every time I have to walk through those traumas, my relationship with God gets grounded even more because it's a relationship. You know, it's not just something you do once and then it's done. It's a daily thing. It's a daily walk. And there have been some beautiful, precious moments when I've come to God with something and was like, why? Like, why did this happen? And he answers me. Or come to him with the guilt and the shame of something that I've done and him saying, you are forgiven and knowing that I am. There's just something so powerful in that. And I can say, you know, today I have a good life. You know, I have a husband that loves me so much. Oh, man. And he is just, he's such a good man. You know, he's so loving and so healing and so stable. And I have a beautiful daughter who is just gorgeous and just so much fun and smart and cute and 
my life is good. It's good. And I never thought that my life would look like that. You never thought that would be a descriptive word that you would use no. or an adjective that you would use to describe your life. No, I honestly mm. thought that I was going to be that girl that was like, oh, she, you know, she had so much potential, but she died because she overdosed on drugs or, you know, ended up in prison for like hurting somebody. Mm. Like, I never thought that this would be my life. Man, just one of the things that you touched on, like in your story, like coming to that point of finally like just giving up. And I know in my life, like I've tried to, you know, do things on my own or make stuff fit or make stuff happen. But it's only until, I don't know if God lets us just like spin our wheels or just like frustrate us to the point or just like, I give up. And God's like, okay, good. Now here, here we go. Finally, I can do something with you now because you've given up the controls. I can pinpoint, you know, several instances in my life where God's like, Adam, just give up. But it's like I was so stubborn and I wanted the control and I I just couldn't give up until I tried it my way first. And I don't know if God's like, okay, I'm going to let you do it your way, but you're you're eventually going to give up. (laughs) And when you do, I'll be there waiting to do what, you know, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can even, I, I take that into day to day, you know, cause I can get stuck on, I have to work today and then all my clients cancel and I'm like, what the heck? Like I'm supposed to be working. Like I'm supposed to be doing all this stuff. And so, mm. you know, whenever things aren't going the way I want them to be going, I've gotten in the habit of saying, Lord, what will you have me do today? And when I do that, it turns into a great day because I end up doing something that he wants me to do, whether it's being in the word or just spending great time with my daughter or Mm. being with friends, you know, like Mm. at the end of the day, it's his day. It's not mine, but yet I want to do what I want to do. So I would say I would want to end with a couple of notes of advice. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things with mentoring kids and I tell them my story and they grow up, you know, in a Christian home and they're like, man, like, my story isn't as crazy as yours, so therefore God probably isn't using me. And my husband didn't have a crazy life. You know, he grew up going to church, and um, he has his own story. But if we all had my life, we wouldn't be able to function. (laughs) We need to Mm -hmm. have people that have had those stable lives to be able to bring healing to people that have had my life or a similar life. So even if you feel like, oh, my life wasn't as crazy as that or God hasn't impacted me as much, he has. He has in a beautiful way. And your life is a blessing. And my life is a blessing, which leads me into the second point, that if you have had this crazy life and you're like, how in the world could God possibly use my story? It's those crazy stories that got me through my life as a baby Christian because I realized I wasn't alone. And when you hear somebody tell just a little bit of your story, there's so much peace and power in that going, oh, okay, Hmm. I can be forgiven too. I am not alone in this too. And that's where the church and the community is important. And the third thing is, you know, what is your story? We all have a story. We all have an internal dialogue of our story. 
And it can be one of two things. It could be really sad and depressing and horrible, or you can find how God has met you in those things. And if you can't find that, pray about it. Pray, God, where were you in this? Where were you in this moment? And it's been my experience. He answers. So that's what I would leave with. So whether you have a hard story uh, or a story, or maybe you think you have no story at all, the idea is this. Do you tell your story? You do, yeah. And somebody Mm. needs to hear it because I believe that there's power in testimony. There's Mm -hmm. so much power in that. When my father died, I didn't want people giving me advice who'd never lost a parent. In fact, I get mad. I'm like, you have no idea what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Take your textbook answers and go somewhere else. Like, But it was the person that came alongside me that was like, I know not exactly what that hurt is like, but I have an idea of what you're going through. This is what I went through, and this is how God got me, helped me through it. And I think that's a good point Like to people who haven't been through something like that, and then someone has that situation come up. Don't try to fake your way through some kind of something. Just be like, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here for you, whatever that means. Not try to come up with something. Yeah, the difference between sympathy and empathy, yeah. you know. So that would be my biggest thing. And, um, you know, whenever I think about my past, it, it can be easy for me to get angry and depressed. But then I think, nope, all of that happened for a reason. God was in that. And he was crying. He was sad when those things were happening. But we live in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. And people have their own stuff. You know, when I think of my ex and his life outside of that relationship, I'm like, man, he is hurting. Big time. And so I can forgive him in that. I can forgive all those things. Um... Because we all have a story. My parents have a story. Your parents have a story. But it's so easy to be selfish and just think that it's all about us. Mm-hmm. And really, that's the whole point of the podcast is this idea of we need to tell our stories. Yeah. Because it's through the sharing of our stories, we see a lot of unity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all different. I mean, your story is very different than mine. Mine's very different than Adam's. And, you know... Uh, it's all very, 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 very different. Yeah. Um, but there's a unity that comes from it because we have the unifying figure of Christ that came into each of our lives at different points. Yeah. Um, so Ashley, thanks for telling your story. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I love that you are our first episode. Um, I will say this, uh, Uh, If you're listening, thank you for listening. And uh, if you would, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, We'll be putting out episodes as often as uh, possible. They won't always be this long, or maybe they'll be longer. Uh, Our whole point is to tell the stories in their entirety. So, Ashley, thanks for being our first official guest. (laughs) 